0: Let's all bow before Almighty Yahweh. Father, we come before you. We thank you so much for your blessings, for all the wonderful things you, you do for us. And we pray that we would strive to always do your will, to walk according to your ways, to be light in darkness. Father, we pray that we would be worthy of your calling, that we would strive every day to be a better person, a better disciple. To study your word, and to be for you to be pleased with us and our efforts and our lives, and we ask all this, and we give you praise into the name in the name of Yahshua the Messiah, Hallelujah. Amen. Okay. <laughs> okay. I have a clicker. <laughs> Having a clicker is always a good thing. Okay, I'd like to uh, welcome everybody here. It is a blessing to see everybody here. I'd also like to welcome those online, those who may be watching this down the road. For today, I'm going to talk about the angel or Moloch of Yahweh. You know, as many believe, and as we do here, there's something very unique, something very special about this angelic being. In short, we believe that it represents, that it is Yahshua the Messiah in his preexistence. Also, there's no confusion about this. We believe that Yahshua in his preexistence was not the father, was not equal to the father. The reason I bring this out is that some believe that Yahshua was, was Yahweh. They will say that he was the father in the Old Testament. This isn't true. Yahweh existed along with his son, as, as we know. Some also believe that Yahweh and Yahshua were equal in the Old Testament. We don't believe that here. We believe that Yahshua was and always and will forever be subservient to his father in essence, Yahshua in the Old Testament was a bridge between mankind, much like he is today if you think about it. He's really a mediator or a bridge between mankind and, and his father in heaven. You know what's amazing about the connection between the angel of Yahweh and the Messiah is that we see indication for this in both Judaism, which may surprise you, and the early church, some of the early church fathers. Now obviously Judaism would not connect this to Yahshua specifically. But nonetheless, many in Judaism see a connection, a special, a special connection between this angel of Yahweh and, and, this, um, and, and, and the role that he played within the Old Testament. I want to begin by sharing a quote. Again, I normally don't make it a, a habit of quoting Wikipedia, but it had a good reference here, so I thought I'd share it with you. Here's what it says about this topic. It says the early, and I'm going to use the uh, correct names and titles here, but it says the early... Fathers of the church, just, uh, such as Just a Martyr, identified the angel of Yahweh as a pre-incarnate Messiah whose appearance is recorded in the Hebrew Bible. So we see here that in the early church, including uh, Just a Martyr, many believed that the angel of Yahweh was the Messiah. So we see a connection here from antiquity going back at least 2,000 years of this belief, of this affirmation that this angel of Yahweh was again something in somebody and someone very special and someone very unique. Now as I mentioned many in Judaism also recognize that there's something very special about this angel of Yahweh. And I want to share an excerpt from a book it's called, uh, entitled No Ordinary Angel by author Susan Garrett. And uh, here's what it says and again I'm going to use the right names and titles but here's the actual quote on the screen. It says but the logic of such a reading of Yahshua and accounts of the angel of Yahweh went deeper. Many Jews, it says, before and during the time of Yahshua were deeply interested in angels. Some understood the angel of Yahweh as a being completely separate from Elohim, a sort of angelic vizier or right-hand angel who served as head of the heavenly host and in other important capacities, including, listen to this, including as a mediator between Yahweh and humans. See, Judaism recognizes, some in Judaism anyway recognizes that something's very special about this being. It says further, some Jews routinely appropriated language used in scripture to describe the angel of Yahweh and used it to characterize certain of Yahweh's attributes, including Yahweh's word, glory, wisdom, spirit, power, and name. Now, that's another interesting note there, that the name, we're gonna see a connection there as we go through this message. Almost as if these aspects of the deity were themselves independent angels. In other words, quite apart from Christianity, there was talk among Jews of Yahweh's word, Yahweh's glory, and so forth in terms highly reminiscent of the angel of Yahweh. So when early Christian authors like Just a Martyr connected Yahshua with Yahweh's word and that word in turn with the angel of Yahweh, they were not inventing from scratch so much as adding a new layer to well-established ways of reading scripture. So as we see here, this author confirms that this concept of this angel of Yahweh being something very special is nothing new. This is something that's been understood for a long time, long time, long before the church, such as just Martyr and others, came up with this understanding or theory. They viewed this angel of Yahweh as, as Yahweh's right hand, And also a mediator, I don't know if you noticed that, but a mediator between mankind and Yahweh. And I think that's a great way to put it. That's a great way to understand the role of this angel of Yahweh. So even even here we see a connection, a connection with this angel of Yahweh and the Messiah. Now, some even went further as we find in this quote, they, they believe that the angel of Yahweh had attributes of the Father, which He does. He actually does have attributes of the father, but as we know, He's not the father. He's a mediator for the father, and that's an important point to understand. And I want to just emphasize that one more time that we do not believe here that Yahweh and Yahshua are one being. There's a a concept that's called oneness normally or modalism. There's other names for it, but that basically the father and son are the same being. We don't believe that here. They're very distinct. They're separate beings. The other thing very important to understand with this topic too is that Yahshua is subservient to the Father. The Son is subservient to the Father. Has been, will always be. That will not change. Now we see many examples of this angel serving in these roles within the Old Testament. Serving in the role of Yahweh's right hand. Serving in the role of a mediator between Yahweh and humans. Yahshua, again, has always been a bridge, I believe, between his father, and mankind. Now, before we delve into the Old Testament, I want to consider some references in the New, supporting the pre-existence. We're not going to dwell on this today, but I'm going to look at three verses focusing on this topic. So the first example is from Colossians 1. Colossians 1 is a really, really important topic, or verse, I should say. It confirms, in my mind, that Yahshua preexisted. I don't understand those who who can't see this, but anyway, it says, in whom will we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities, powers, all things were created by him and for Him." Now, who is Paul speaking about here? Who is Paul speaking about? Or verse 14, it says that we have received our redemption through His blood. Who is Paul speaking about here? Paul's speaking about the Messiah. He's speaking about Yahshua the Messiah. So what did we learn here about the Messiah? Well, it says here that He was the image of the invisible L. The image of the invisible L. We're going to talk about that. It goes on to say that He was the firstborn of every creature. Now, the word image, this comes from the Greek icon, refers to a likeness, a resemblance. Resemblance or like. You know, since Yahweh Yahshua was created in his father's image, certainly this makes a lot of sense, that he was he's a likeness. Again, keep in mind though that this does not mean that they're the same being. I just want to emphasize that. They are not the same, they are separate, distinct beings. Now, the other word I want to refer to is firstborn. This comes from the Greek prototokos. According to Thayer's, means the firstborn of Christ says the firstborn of all creation. So we see here from this passage that Yahshua the Messiah was created, number one in Yahweh's image; that He and the Father are one in that sense, and that He was the first being of all of creation. That's such an important point to understand that it says that he was the firstborn of creation. So we see here that Yahshua was created, but he was the firstborn of all that existed. And then through him, as we see here in Scripture, through him, he created all things, it says. He created the heavens, he created the earth, he created all those things visible, all those things we can see. And it says he created all those things we can't see invisible. So the angelic realm, I believe that Yahshua had a part in the creation of those things, that Yahshua was the first, he was the first Being to come into existence. Now, in 1 Corinthians 10, starting in verse 1, we see that Yahshua was actually with the Israelites of old. It says there, moreover, this is 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1. It says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant. You know, Paul's saying, I want you to understand this. That's the message here. I want you to understand this. I want you to comprehend this message. It's an important message. He says, How that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and were all baptized unto Mo, into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink? For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Messiah. So Paul speaks here about a cloud that the Israelites were under, and also how Yahshua was that rock that followed them. According to Barnes' notes, the cloud here is a cloud that, that led the Israelites into the wilderness. Now, it was a cloud by day and a fire by night. You know, I believe there's a connection here also between this cloud and the rock identified in verse 4 as a sign. In other words, Yahshua's was both. Yashua was both this cloud and Yahshua was both that rock. They're the same thing. So not only did, does this prove that Joshua preexisted, because, again, Paul says that Messiah was there with the Israelites, but it also proves the role that Joshua had in the Old Testament. He led the Israelites through the wilderness. Now, there's one more passage I want to I look at to set the foundation of what we're focused on today. John chapter 5, verse 37 says, And the Father himself which has sent me hath borne witness of me, You have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape. So, Yahshua confirms here that no man has seen or heard the Father. So, who then was Yahweh who spoke and appeared before mankind in the Old Testament? We see many, many examples of this. We know that he appeared before Abraham in Genesis 18. We see other examples of Yahweh appearing or speaking to mankind in the Old Testament. who was it? So we believe that this was Yahshua the Messiah. He was, again, the invisible the, the, the visible representation, I should say, of the Father. This is the role that he served in the Old Testament. He was again, the mediator between Yahweh and mankind. You know, this is also an indicator of Yahshua being the angel of Yahweh, I believe in the Old Testament. We know that the angel of Yahweh was at cloud. We'll see that in just a few moments. One of the most important passages when we speak about this angel of Yahweh and who this angel was and what he represented is Exodus 23. So we're gonna spend some time looking at Exodus 23 verses 20 through 23. This is an incredible passage. When we understand what we, what we read here and how it correlates and represents and applies to the Messiah, I find this amazing. It's just a remarkable passage. So here's what it says. Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him. Now listen to the attributes of this angel. I want you to really listen to, this, to, to the attributes. Is it, Beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not. For he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. And if thou shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy unto thine enemies and an adversary unto thy adversaries. For mine angel shall go before thee and bring thee unto the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. So what do we learn about this angel that we find here in this passage? Number one, we see here that the angel would go with the Israelites. It says that this angel would lead the Israelites. So this obviously is a reference to the fire by night, the cloud by day. We also see here that this angel had authority. This angel had authority to give commandments because, again, it says here to obey the angel. This angel had authority to give commandments and also to forgive sin. Because it says here that he would not pardon their transgressions. So the authority to give commandments and to forgive sin. And the last point here is we find that this angel had something very special. This angel had, it says, Yahweh's name within him. Yahweh's name within him. Now who else has the power to give commandments and to forgive sin? or the only being I know of is Yahshua the Messiah. You know, this is an amazing point as it shows a strong connection between this angel of Yahweh and the Messiah as we find within Scripture. You know, besides a father, I don't know of anyone else in this universe who has the authority to give commandments. I don't know anyone else who has the ability to forgive sin, to pardon our transgressions except for the one man we know. That is, the Messiah, Yahshua. Now, this last point here is also important. It again shows that this angel had Yahweh's name within within him. He had Yahweh's name within him. You know what's intriguing about this is that, to my knowledge, no other angel shares Yahweh's name. Have you ever considered that? You know, for example, we're all familiar with Gabriel and Michael, two of the most well-known angels within Scripture. But neither one of these archangels had Yahweh's name within their name. Gabriel means El is my strength, Michael means who is like El. Understand that El is not a name, El is a title. Now in this reference, it does refer to Yahweh, but it is not a name. These angels do not contain Yahweh's name. I don't know of a single example where an angel contains Yahweh's name, except this very special angel we find here in this passage. This angel is unique. This angel is distinct. This angel has Yahweh's name within him. Now, according to Yahshua in John chapter 5, verse 43, it says there that Yahshua came in his father's name. And by the way, that's one reason why we use the form Yahshua here, not Yeshua, because he came in his father's name. And we know that there was a point within the history of the Jewish people where they would use Yah and not Yeh. He came in his father's name, so we use Yahshua. Now, as Yahshua came in his father's name in the New Testament, it only makes sense that he would have done the same in the Old. Because, again, that's a family name. He would have come in the name of his father in the Old Testament. So the description here is a perfect fit for the one we call Yahshua the Messiah. Let me just go through those points one more time with you in case you missed them. Number one, we see here that this angel had the authority to give commandment. But we know that Yahshua the Messiah also has authority to give commandment. This angel also had the authority to pardon transgressions. That's another way of saying forgiving sin. We know that Yahshua certainly has been delegated the authority by his father to forgive sin. And as we've already referenced, John chapter 5, verse 43, Yahshua came in his father's name. So all attributes we find here fit with the Messiah. Now it says here that this angel would fight for Israel and be an adversary to Israel's enemies. You know, based on this view, some... Uh, may have, have a hard time accepting that this is also a reference to the Messiah because they don't see the Messiah as this, this uh, enemy. They don't see how the Messiah would ever do this, that, that the Messiah could fit this angelic warrior persona. You know, for those who may have this viewpoint, though, they need to simply turn to Revelation and read what Yahshua's is going to do. Yahshua's is going to come back with a sword. Yahshua is going to come back with vengeance. Yahshua's is going to destroy the wicked. And Yahshua's is going to do this. So Yahshua is also a being that is going to strike retribution. We also um, see this concept in the book of Zechariah. We'll see some of this at the end of this message. but Zechariah 12 and 14 also shows that Yahweh is going to send his son and that his son will fight against the armies of the earth and that his son will strike those who oppose him with plagues. So we see here an amazing continuity between Old and New Testaments. Everything we see with this angel, we find with our Savior, Yahshua. As Yahshua fought for his people in the Old Testament, he will do the same at his coming when he returns to this earth. So I believe this passage here offers an incredible parallel between the angel of Yahweh and the Messiah. I want to look at some examples now. Some examples of this angel of Yahweh, the roles that he played, what he did, how he functioned, some of these, or at least one of these, we've looked at here recently when I gave the message on, on, uh, in Judges. So the first example that I want to look at is in Exodus 3. Exodus 3, 1-3, it says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of Elohim, even to Horeb. And the angel of Elohim appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. So, so he viewed this as fire, but again, the bush was not consumed, it was not burned. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And when Yahweh saw that he turned aside to see, Elohim called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not, nigh thither; hither, put off thy shoes from off your feet, for the place whereon thou stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the Elohim of thy father, the Elohim of Abraham, the Elohim of Isaac, the Elohim of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon Elohim. And Yahweh said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt. And I've heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. Masters. For I know their sorrows. And I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. And to bring them up out of the land unto a good land. And a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey. Now how did the angel of Yahweh here manifest himself before Moses? Where it shows here that he did so in a flame of fire in a bush a flame of fire. Notice, though, that the bush did not burn. The bush did not burn. And I believe that this was perceived as fire, but not fire. I believe more than likely what we find here is Yahweh's glory. Some would describe this as the Shekinah. We see a similar depiction of Yahshua the Messiah in the book of Revelation. In Revelation 1, 14 through 15, it says... His head and his hair were white like wool and white as snow. Now listen to this. It says, his eyes were as a flame of fire and his feet like unto fine brass as if they burned in a furnace and his voice as the sound of many waters. So again, we see here a connection between this angel of Yahweh and the Messiah. We see here that both... The the language of a flame of fire is used to describe both, and that his feet in the book of Revelation were as brass burned in a furnace. Now, we also see here that it was holy ground, and for this reason, Moses had to remove his sandals, had to remove his shoes. And I believe that this further shows that this angel of Yahweh is someone very unique, someone very special. It's not just simply an ordinary angel. You see, angels don't require reverence, but we see here that this angel required reverence. There was something very unique, there was something very remarkable, remarkable about this angel. As we see here, this being is referred to as both Yahweh, the angel of Yahweh, I should say in verse 1, and also Yahweh, we see that in verse 4. So in verse 1, we see the angel of Yahweh in verse 4 simply references Yahweh. Now this does not mean that Yahweh the Father and Yahshua the same being. You know, I believe that Yahshua in his pre-existence probably shared Yahweh's name. You know, we see an example of this in Genesis 19.24. It reads there, it says, And Yahweh rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from Yahweh out of heaven. Now some try to spiritualize this away and try to, rewrite this verse so it makes more sense where I take it on face value and what we see here is we have one Yahweh on earth and we have one Yahweh in heaven we have one Yahweh on earth that rains fire and brimstone from the Yahweh in heaven upon Sodom and Gomorrah now I believe the Yahweh on earth was the son and the Yahweh in heaven was the father and notice both were called Yahweh He shared his father's name because he was his spokesman. Now, we also see here that Moses was afraid of this angel when he saw this, when he heard this. And as we're going to see from other examples, this reaction of fear is not uncommon for the angel of Yahweh. You don't always see that, though, with angels. Now, this kind of fear, there's a a special reverence that the person realized, seemed to realize, Now, what message did the angel of Yahweh here convey to Moses, where he told Moses that he had seen the affliction of the people Israel, that he had seen their suffering, and that he would deliver them from bondage? Again, I think we see a connection here between this angel of Yahweh and the Messiah. As the angel of Yahweh would free Israel from the bondage of slavery, Yahshua, through his sacrifices, freed us from the bondage of sin. So they both, through the role of mediator, has freed Yahweh's people. Now we see another example of the angel of Yahweh in Genesis 22, one of my favorite passages, starting in verse 9 this, in this case. And I don't have the uh, text on the slide, so you'll turn with me or simply listen. But uh, Genesis uh, 22 and uh, verse 9 through 18. It says, and they came to the place which Elohim had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Now, as you've already realized, this is when Yahweh told Abraham to go and sacrifice his, only, his, his son as a burnt offering. So in verse 10, it says, and Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. I mean, it was right above him and the angel of yahweh called unto him out of heaven and said abraham abraham and he said here am i that seems to be a fairly typical response by the way here am i almost what do, what do what are you asking for how can i respond here am i in verse 12 it said and he said lay not thine hand upon the lad Neither do thou anything unto him, for now I know that thou fearest Elohim, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thy only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, to behold him a ram caught in a thicket by the horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Yahweh Yireh. As it is said to this day, in that mount of Yahweh shall be seen. And the angel of Yahweh called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saith Yahweh, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, then in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and in the sand of the, that which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies." And verse 18 closes by saying, And in, the, in his seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. So we see here that Abraham received a great blessing because he did what? For he had faith, he was justified by, faith, by his faith, but he also obeyed, as we find here. Now this, in this passage, Abraham was again told to offer up his son Isaac as a burnt offering. You know, as a father, when I read this, I can't help than to put myself in this position than to wonder what i would do if i was abraham if i was told or commanded to do what he did you know the thought of sacrificing your own child is really beyond words for me there's there's nothing worse because i know as a parent we would be very quick to give our lives for our children but to do what abraham was told to do here is is remarkable but you know we know in hebrews 11 In Hebrews 11, it says there that Abraham believed that if he would sacrifice his son, that Yahweh was able and capable of bringing his son back. That he realized and understood that Yahweh could resurrect his son, so he had faith. But you know what? Even with this faith, even with this courage, what Abraham was willing to do here was nothing short of superhuman. I mean, it was incredible the sacrifice he was willing to show. He had a commitment and faith in Yahweh. Second to none. And people ask, you know, why such a great relationship? Why was Abraham favored? Or well, he was favored because Yahweh meant everything to him. It was the same thing with King David. I mean, King David was the same way. Everything, Yahweh was everything to him. And for this reason, we find here that Yahweh called him and he blessed him. Matter of fact, it says here that he would be a blessing to all the earth. Now, we know that that's a messianic prophecy because we know that Yahshua fulfilled that, because Yahshua through his sacrifice, he's, he's now the blessings blessing to all the earth. Now in this passage, we again see a reference to this angel of Yahweh. So as Abraham was standing over his son, ready to plunge the knife into his own son, he heard a voice, and he said, stop, don't do this, don't do this, and he stopped Abraham from taking the life of his son. You know, we also see here that in lieu of Isaac, that Yahweh provided a ram as a burnt offering, as a substitute. He gave a ram. Because of this, Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh. Now, Yahweh Yireh can be defined or translated as Yahweh sees or Yahweh provides. I kind of favor Yahweh provides because Yahweh provided here a ram in place of Isaac. Yahweh provided that sacrifice. The story is one of the most told and treasured in all of Scripture. I believe that this was one of the most important points within Abraham's journey within his life. I also believe that the angel of Yahweh here, the mention is important and not to be overlooked. You know, if you think about it, the angel of Yahweh here interceded between Yahweh and Abraham on behalf of Isaac. If not for the intercession, intervention of this angel of Yahweh, Isaac, would have most likely all but certainly died. Now, this is another parallel between the angel of Yahweh and Yahshua the Messiah. Isaac would have died, listen, without the intervention from this angel of Yahweh. We would certainly die in our sins without the intervention of Yahshua the Messiah. You know, it's amazing the roles and the parallels we find between these two beings, really the same being. And we see two similar examples in the book of Judges, in the book of Judges. One is with a man named Gideon. The other is with a man named Manoah. Now, here recently I spoke about Gideon. I want to review some of what we talked about. You know, it's always a good thing to review, and um, certainly uh, to, to review it again is is uh, beneficial. So, first story is found in Judges 6, starting in verse 12, Judges chapter 6, and again, I don't have the... Uh, Text on the screen, but you can turn with me to the book of Judges, and we're going to read this account. And you know, for me, the book of Judges. Matter of fact, this was this is our next uh, book to study in the Bible study we uh, chose that this morning. But uh, Judges uh, chapter six, and uh, we're going to read verses 12 through 22. So Judges 6:12 through 22, it says. And verse twelve, and the angel of Yahweh appeared unto him and said unto him, Yahweh is with thee, thy mighty man of valor. You know, and we'll we'll see this, but but Gideon wasn't really a man of valor. He wasn't a man of, of strength. He had hesitation. He had he had issues with faith, and uh, and yet he he's called a man of valor here. And maybe he was just trying to give the, the uh, poor man confidence. But a verse th- verse thirteen says, and Gideon said unto him, Oh my master, if Yahweh be with us. Why then has all this befallen us, and where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not Yahweh bring us up from Egypt, but now Yahweh has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites? And Yahweh looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites, have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O Yahweh, wherewith shall I have Shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor, Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. This, again, reminds me of Moses. You know, here, Moses, everybody loves Moses. He's a great, great man, and he was a great man. But if you remember, Moses wasn't exactly excited when he was called to do the work he was called to do. He wanted to, to, uh, for somebody else to do it because he wasn't up to the task. He could not speak well. So on and so forth. Same thing here with Gideon. He said, I'm the least. I'm nobody. It says in verse 16, And Yahweh said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. And he said unto him, I now, If now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign, and thou talk, uh, talkest with me. Depart not hence, I pray thee, until I come unto thee, and bring forth my presence, and set it before thee, and he said, I will tarry until thou come again. And Gideon went in and made ready a kid and unleavened cakes and an ephah flower. The flesh he put in a basket and put, on, and put the broth in a pot and put it out unto him under the oak and presented it. And the angel of Elohim said unto him, take the flesh and the unleavened cakes and lay them upon, the, lay them upon this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of Yahweh Put forth the end of his staff, that was in his hand, and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes, and there rose up fire out of the rock and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. Then the angel of Yahweh departed out of his sight. And when Gideon perceived, so notice here he perceived he's he's aware now of who this was. He says he perceived that he was an angel of Yahweh. Gideon said, "Alas, O so my sovereign Yahweh, for because I have seen an angel of Yahweh face to face." And he's fearful, as we see in the next verse. He's afraid. So we see in this passage the story of Gideon. Now, as we um, see here, Yahweh had delivered the Israelites into the hand of the Midianites. Now, why was this done? What was the reason for this? Well, we see in the, the beginning of this passage that it says that Israel did what was evil in Yahweh's eyes. They forsook Yahweh. They were worshiping mighty ones of other nations. Matter of fact, you know, as, as I spoke about in my last message, it, it, I'm kind of surprised, amazed at the fact that Gideon would even ask, you know, why, where are you? Why have you not done this? Why have you allowed the Midianites in their state of apostasy? He should have known why. You know, as we see in the story, his own father was worshiping the Asherah and the Baal. And yet Gideon was perplexed as to why Yahweh was allowing these things to happen. And we see here, this angel had a message for Gideon. And the message was that Gideon would deliver Israel from the Midianites. Now, keep in mind, at this point, Gideon did not realize who he was speaking to. I assume that he believed that this was simply a man, maybe a prophet. Now, as a show of honor, Gideon asks this angel here to stay and eat. So this angel says, I'm going to stay and go do your thing and come back and I'll be here. Now, this, uh, he, he, he prepares a lamb and some unleavened bread. And when he brings the food, the angel tells Gideon to place the food on a rock. Now, upon doing this, the angel then stretches out the staff. And as soon as he touches the flesh and the bread, rot or fire came up from the rock and consumed the food. And then at this point, the angel disappeared. And it was also at this point that Gideon realized that this and who this was, it was the angel of Yahweh. Now, how did he respond to this awareness? Or he was afraid, he was concerned. Because he had seen the angel of Yahweh face to face, it says. You know, in some ways, this reminds me of when Yahshua appeared before John of Patmos in Revelation. Revelation chapter 1, verse 17 reads, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Notice that. This was John's response to seeing Yahshua. It says, He fell before him as one dead. goes on to say in that verse, And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, uh, me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. So we see here a similar response between Gideon and John of Patmos. Gideon was afraid, and John fell as one dead, it says. Now in Gideon's case, I believe it was the angel of Yahweh, which was Yahshua, as appeared before John of Patmos in his glorified estate. Now we see a similar example of this in Judges this time with a man named Manoah. So uh, turn over to Judges chapter uh, 13. Judges chapter 13, and we're going to review this account. Now, as we know, Manoah was the father of a very important judge. So uh, Judges 13 verses 13 through 21. It says, And the angel of Yahweh Yahweh said unto Manoah, Of all that I said unto the woman, let her beware. You see, prior to this, this woman, this angel had already appeared to Manoah's wife, giving her instructions as to what to do and what not to do. In verse 14, She may not eat of anything that cometh of the vine, neither let her drink wine or strong drink nor eat any unclean thing. All that I command her, let her observe. And Manoah said unto the angel of Yahweh, I pray thee, let us detain thee until we shall have made ready a kid for thee. And the angel of Yahweh said unto Manoah, though, though thou detain, detain me, I will not eat thy bread. And if I will offer a burnt offering, thou must offer it unto Yahweh. For Manoah knew not, that he was an angel of Yahweh. So again, there's no awareness of who this being is. And verse 17 says, And Manoah said unto the angel of Yahweh, What is thy name? Now, this is really incredible, this, this verse, this account. So I want, I want you, we'll talk about it when we're done here, but just pay attention to what it says. It says, what is, what is your name? And he says, That when thy sayings come to pass, we may do the honor. And the angel of Yahweh said unto him, Why askst thou thus after my name, seeing seeing it is secret, it is secret." So Manoah took a kid with meat offering and offered upon a rock unto Yahweh. And the angel did wondrously, and Manoah and his wife looked on. And it came to pass when the flame went up towards heaven from off the altar that the angel of Yahweh ascended in the flame of the altar. And Manoah and his wife looked on it and fell on their faces to the ground. But the angel of Yahweh did no more appear to Manoah and to his wife The Manoah knew that he was an angel of Yahweh. So for those not familiar with Manoah, this is the father of Samson. Before the angel of Yahweh appeared before Manoah, as I mentioned, he also appeared before his wife, To give her instructions of what to do and not to do. So we see here that she could not drink anything from the vine, could not eat anything unclean. Of course, we shouldn't do that either. And uh, could not have any alcohol. Now, what was the reason for this? What was the purpose for for this prohibition? Well, we know that Samson, he was a Nazarite. He was a Nazarite from birth. Something very unique with Samson. And this is a reason why even the mother could not partake in these items because Samson could not have partake in these items. We also see a lot of parallels here between the stories of Gideon and Manoah. As Gideon prepared to mill, Manoah wanted to do the same. He asked the angel to stay, to remain so that he could prepare a mill in Manoah's case. The angel said, no, I will stay. But if you do this, you're going to do it as a burnt offering. Now, in case you missed it, in verse 18, and I hope you didn't, Manoah asks the angel his name. You know, I, just, I really think this is important. Keep in mind that like Gideon, Manoah did not realize that this was an angel. He did not realize who this or what this being was. Now, how did the angel respond to this inquiry? How did he respond to Manoah when he says, you know, what is your name? I need to know so that when this thing happens, I know who to honor. Or he says, and he told Manoah that his name was a secret. Now, this doesn't mean what we think it means, not in the Hebrew. In the Hebrew, it comes from the Hebrew Pile. And Strong's defines this as remarkable, is a remarkable name. It's a remarkable name. Brown Driver Briggs goes further. It says, wonderful, incomprehensible, extraordinary. You know, the Apostle Paul in Philippians 2 verse 9 says, Wherefore, Yahweh hath also highly exalted him. Who? Or Yahshua. Goes on to say, and given him a name which is above every name. You know, when we understand the meaning of the Hebrew here, that is that this name wasn't a secret, but it was remarkable. It was incomprehensible. And then when we understand that Yahshua was given a name above every name, to me it only makes sense that this is, again, Yahshua, the Messiah, and another parallel we find between these two beings. You know, consider this. Gabriel and Michael, they're high-ranking angels. High-ranking angels or archangels. But never once in Scripture, to my knowledge, did they ever say, no, I can't give you my name. I can't provide that to you. But in the case of this angel, there's something, again, very remarkable because he says, look, I can't do this. My name's too remarkable. My name's too too incomprehensible to provide to you. Now, what happened with Manoah when he offered this burnt offering? We see here that the angel of Yahweh went up and ascended into the flames of fire. And when this happened, when this occurred, Manoah and his wife seeing this, realizing who stood before them, they fell down upon their face in fear. Now, in this passage, we actually find that Manoah was more concerned than his wife. His wife says, you know, if he was upset, he would have, we would not be here. But uh, Manoah is concerned, very concerned. And this is exactly what we saw with Gideon. Gideon was concerned. Why the trepidation? Why the fear? We don't see this with other angels, not, not to this extent. Again, I think they realize that there's something very special about the angel of Yahweh that we find within Scripture. And we're not the first. Again, this goes back to Judaism. Judaism has understood for many, many years that there's something very special about this angel of Yahweh. Many of the early church fathers thought the same thing. I want to move on to another example now, this time involving King Hezekiah in 2 Kings 19. Second Kings nineteen, thirty-two through thirty-six says, Therefore, thus says Yahweh concerning the king of Assyria. He shall not come into the city, nor shoot any arrows there, meaning that he's not going to get close enough to shoot those arrows, nor come in before it with shield, nor cast a bank against it. By the way that he came, by the same shall he return. He shall not come into the city, thus saith Yahweh. For I will defend this city to save it. For my own sake, and for my servant David's sake. Isn't that amazing, by the way? This is a long time after the death of David. And here David continues to be brought up. Yahweh had such a great love for David. And it shall come to pass that night that the angel of Yahweh went out and smote in the camp of the Assyrians one hundred fourscore and five thousand. And when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses, So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went and returned and dwelt at Nineveh. To begin with, who is Sennacherib? Who is Sennacherib? Well, this man was a king of Assyria, one of the most ruthless kings of one of the most ruthless nations within antiquity. This is the same nation, by the way, that conquered the ten northern tribes of Israel before this. And based on the Assyrian army... In the situation with Hezekiah, it was all but certain that the same fate was going to fall upon Judah. They had no hope. Not against this great Assyrian army. But we see here this would not happen. Yahweh sent Isaiah the prophet. He sent Isaiah the prophet to prophesy to King Hezekiah. And Isaiah's message was this, that not even an arrow would get into this city that they would not enter the walls of this city, that they would be defeated. So what happened? We see here that the angel of Yahweh killed 185,000 men of the Assyrian army. Think about that. 185,000 men. When Zennacherib awoke, he saw the dead corpses lying on the field and he decided it was best to return home. And that's precisely what he did. So the angel of Yahweh delivered Judah from Sennacherib and from the Assyrian army here. You know, as we read in Exodus 23, just to refresh you what what we saw there, it said there that this, this angel, this angel would be an enemy to those who opposed Israel. It says that he would be an enemy to Israel's enemies, that he would be an adversary to Israel's adversaries. And that's precisely what we find here. Now, for those, again, who can't envision Yahshua doing this as the angel of Yahweh, they need to read the book of Revelation. They need to read prophecy because Yahshua's is going to do worse. It's not going to be one nation. It's not going to be one, one army. You know, the Bible prophesies that all the armies will come against the holy city at the end of this age. In fact, we see an example of this in Zechariah. It's one of my favorite prophecies. For many reasons, Zechariah chapter twelve eight through nine says this. It says, "In that day, shall Yahweh defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and he that is feeble among them at that day shall be as David, and the house of David shall be as Elohim." So you see, <clears throat> Yahweh is going <clears throat> is going to empower his people. Says the angel of Yahweh before them, and it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. Now, before we focus on what we see here, let me give you some background. This passage is describing, speaking about Armageddon. It is speaking about the last battle at the end of this age. Now, prophecy shows many people, by the way, they're unaware of this. You know, people believe... That the battle is going to occur at Armageddon, or Tel Megiddo, or as often heard Armageddon. Now that's where the armies meet. The armies come together at Armageddon, and if you have ever been to Armageddon or Tel Megiddo, so there's yeah the Valley of Jezreel, and it's a large valley, certainly a valley great for staging a war. But we see in prophecy that after they stage there, they're going to march onto Jerusalem. And they're going to surround Jerusalem. It will be this precise time. When Yahshua the Messiah returns to fight. For the Jewish people. And for the people of Israel. The Jews will be surrounded. As Hezekiah was. But they will not be forsaken. You know as we see in verse 8. Yahweh will empower and defend his people. We also see a reference here. To the angel of Yahweh again. Showing. That the. Moloch will protect his people. And I believe that the evidence shows that the angel of Yahweh is none other than Yashua the Messiah. There are so many parallels. There are so many connections between this unique angel that, again, antiquity itself have recognized through the Jews and through the early church fathers realizing that there was something very unique, remarkable about this angelic being. As the angel of Yahweh protected and defended Israel of old, Yahshua the Messiah, at the end of this age, when all of the armies believe that they can come against Jerusalem and defeat Jerusalem, they're going to have a second thing coming. They're going to realize that this will not happen that Yahshua will come down once more and fight for his people. You know, I believe this understanding between the angel of Yahweh and Yahshua, the Messiah, is important. Let me give you three reasons why I'm going to close with this. Number one, it recognizes the uniqueness and a special position of the angel of Yahweh. This being is very special and it's unique. Number two, it also shows Yahshua's important contributions before his birth. And this is one reason why I do have an issue for those who don't believe in the preexistence because they negate everything Yahshua did in the Old Testament. Yahshua had a role in the Old Testament. Yahshua had a vital role in the Old Testament. And we see part of that role through the angel of Yahweh. And number three, it shows the amazing continuity between Old and New Testament. The continuity, the, the, the parallels between. Well, I pray that this message has been blessing to you. As believers, I pray that we continue to study his word Look into these deeper things. And more than anything, I pray that we strive to be better disciples of his his every other day. And with that, may God bless you.